the recovery revolution will be podcast on the since right now addiction recovery network celebrate several ways my gts when we took the holidays with all our friends it was a time to let let your world behind except in several weeks for something crossed my mind it was the sign of the time we never forget one morning our parents kicked us out of a bed now when he's on a mic there will be no delaying so you better run to see him in your neighborhood here's rapping rocking all the way to hollywood Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R, and SinceRightNow.com, with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. With our guest tonight, playwright. Humorist and storyteller, Sean Paul Mahoney. Hi there. Sean, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? Okay, we're back, we're great. I now have in the room, Jeff. Hi. How hey, are Jeff. You? Nice <laughs> to meet you. It always makes me laugh, I don't know why. Something about <laughs> well, the just cold open. Hi. Uh, hi. Hey, how are you? Hey, well, yeah. I didn't see you there. How you doing? <laughs> when did you get here? <laughs> And that was Matt. Hi. Um, make sure we all have beverages. Uh, yeah, I've got water. Okay. So that, that's good. Perfect. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Some stuff. What's that? Good. All right. Excellent. So tonight on Since Right Now, we have Sean Paul Mahoney, who is a writer, humorist, and storyteller. But I'd like you to know him best as the writer of Long Term Recovery, the one panel comic released weekly <laughs> yeah. on Clean and Soap. Yeah. Um, it, it's hilarious. Yeah, it is it's, really. It's good. hilarious. It's been Thank you so much fun to work with yeah. you on that project, and um, I, I did not labor on Labor Day, so um, there wasn't one this week. But um, there'll be a new one out um, this Sunday. That's awesome. Well, I feel bad for you because I'm always like, "How about these? What do you think about these?" Oh. And I'm like sending you ten at a time. Well, yeah, I mean, I have an amazing backlog <laughs> for everybody listening of just terrific lines. So basically, I, I think for our lifetimes, we will have a long-term recovery That's comic. Cool. So these, Sweet. Things, these things come to you all the time. Well, it feels like, yeah. yeah. You lines. know, kind of. I'm like a one-liner person. Yeah. And, and when I got sober, I always just thought I was kind of a smartass when I was a kid. Yeah. And when I got sober, it was like, oh, no, this is actually a challenge. And people, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And people told me, especially on Twitter, they were like, yeah. you're fucking funny. And, and yeah, awesome. and Twitter's really been helpful. You know, um, I'm also a playwright. Yeah. And because of what I tweeted while I was working on a show that was about Craigslist, uh, all of these people ended up coming. We did zero advertising. Wow. And it was the most successful show that our old theater company had. Wow. And uh, it was just the power of that stuff and people saying, you're funny, I'm going to come. Yeah. And uh, and this was all after I've gotten sober. You was, know? It, was it about the personal <laughs> section of Craigslist? It was. It's called uh, Casual Encounters and Misconnections. That's nice. hilarious. <laughs> and what I did, and it, I'd never written a play before. Yeah. My husband was... Oh, so writing, this was your first play? My first, yeah. And the Miracles of Sobriety. I had... 
two years at the time. Yeah. And I, we were sitting around and I said, what about a play about Craigslist? He's like, great, write it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. I mean, <laughs> I just want to go see it. I don't want to. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, what about hot dogs for dinner? You know, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but it was great as an addict and an alcoholic to have somebody say, I believe in you in this and you can do it. And it, it was a huge hit. There's a guy that we still are friends. Hi, Pete, from Antarctica, who came and saw my show what? when he was in town. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so it was a miracle. You know, the whole thing was a miracle. My second show didn't have the same uh, road, but that's the way it goes. You know, I learned so much out of it now. Whereas before, all I could finish was an eight ball and a bottle of tequila. Now it's like people are like, write a script. I'm like, I think I could actually do that now. Yeah. Well, so. let's, let's back up a bit on that. So sure. when you were, well, for a couple of things. One, the, why I reached out to you, I was following your tweets, sort of like l lurking yeah. and, and watching your <laughs> watching your at midnight tweets specifically, um, right. which for anybody who's not familiar, at midnight on Comedy Central, um, uh, basically a comedy game show. Right. Um, Best time waster on the internet. Right. Yes, well, no and there, there's like a, a topic, a topic, right? Every or a, a hashtag, right? Um, every episode, and um, like ruin a movie with what, like one word or something. Anyway, <laughs> right. so and 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 Sean would every time I'd catch it, like it seems like it was always like, well, of course, at midnight as I'm going to bed. It's what kept me up as I'm start reading yours, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god, these are hilarious!" Um, and so finally, I'm just like, "I'm going to ask him if he wants to, <laughs> to write something, what, you know, do something with uh, with me because it's just yours." They were just they're they're terrific. Anyway, well, so, thanks so much. Um, but so back to eight balls and tequila. Yeah, right. Um, were my you, favorite topic, by the way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, and myself. Yeah. Well, it all. Yeah. It's all of a piece, right? Yes, uh, exactly. So was writing, you know, the, the writer, playwright, humorist, storyteller, was that all um, the goal, the dream, the path before when you, you were using? When you were using. Yeah, but I didn't know it, you okay. know? I knew it and I was trying and editors would be like, yeah, we told it in the 15th and it's the 24th. Don't work for us again. You know, like little things like that kept happening to me and I couldn't figure it out. You know, I'm constantly impressed with people who uh, have these stories of recovery who had a really bad year and then they got sober. Mm -hmm. I had 20 really bad wow. years and then I got sober. My problem is dealing with reality. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to pay bills. I don't want to call people back. I want to get loaded. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a little, little kid, I was really interested in storytelling like making movies with my stuffed animals and writing poems and doing stuff like that, making cards and comics, believe it or not. And, um, I, uh, you know, I, I think in the seventies and eighties, that kind of kid, a effeminate gay kid mm -hmm. who was like imaginative. <laughs> it wasn't an easy road. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, and I grew up here in Colorado and so, right. um, and especially when I moved to Golden as a teenager, which is the home of Coors Beer and the former capital of the KKK. Oh. So as you can imagine, I was a giant hit there. Smooth as sailing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> People loved me. Uh, so, yeah. So 
I my first drug actually was being able to tell stories and watch old movies and read books until my eyes fell out. Mm-hmm. Like that's where it started. You know, I grew up in an alcoholic home too. And I think we're I don't know if any of you guys are ACA or whatever. And it doesn't COA. Yeah. 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 I think we all uh, I am. Yeah, me three. Yeah. Well, oh, and we all I, are. Crazy. <laughs> but like uh I think uh you know, it's important to say because so much of it is we grow up in these households and I think we we think we know better and we're not. We're going to dodge the bullet that got one of our parents. And so when I started using at 14, um, I thought, oh, this is it. I don't have to work so hard. I just drink or use drugs. By 15, I had an arrest for stealing a bottle. Hmm. Peppermint schnapps, of all things. Nice. Dream big. <laughs> yeah, what kind of lame alcoholic steals peppermint schnapps? Um, <laughs> it's like, really, dude? Yeah. Uh, and then by 19, uh, I had felt like my drug use was totally out of control. And it got more out of control. And I was able to quit smoking for like a week. But I don't know if you've ever tried to do meth and not smoke it's just not possible so i started smoking again when i started doing men and i was also a raver at that time yeah Mm. because so i found and i hear your house music at the beginning of the show so i found i found my people that uh everybody who didn't want to grow up you know yeah sure exactly yeah yeah chris were you a raver yeah, I don't know if bit. I, I use that some term. <laughs> I, don't think I, I, I certainly went to raves. Yeah. I don't know if I was a raver. I know, it's like, kind of a dorky term, yeah. right? It flew out of my mouth and I was like, oh God. But, you do, but there's, like, <laughs> ravers raved, man. Right. They would travel there to was... warehouse parties and did a lot of ecstasy and, and wore glow-in-the-dark things and had uh, pacifiers. Oh, That's wait, yeah, I, I was a raver. Then. I like, okay. yeah. yeah. Oh, the pacifiers. <laughs> yeah. it. I liked the drugs. Right. I mean, I liked yeah. that. That's where you could get them. Yeah. So... Yeah. It was a convenience. Yeah. And you were with people who also didn't want it to stop. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And from 20 on, that's what I surrounded myself with. Right. You know? Um, well, and it was ostensibly all about we all love each other. <laughs> right, right. 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 Until somebody sells you bug drugs or sleeps with your boyfriend. Or- <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but for now, we totally love each other. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that culture I got really burnt out on. And in my infinite wisdom as a 23-year-old, I contacted my brother who lived in Los Angeles and I said, I got to go. I got to get my shit together. And, you know, Los Angeles in 1995, nobody was doing drugs. <laughs> no, that's a safe place to go. Um And before you know it, like we do, I found my people, you know, I was working in nightclubs. I was, um, working in independent film. I was drinking every day, Mm -hmm. you know, and that particular stint was a roller coaster from 1995 to when I got sober, uh, in 2009. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We're in LA the whole time. I was. Most of it. And were, was. Were you, was alcohol, it sounds like alcohol was your thing. Or you did lots of stuff, but always drank. Yeah, always drank. And well, and I, I joke that like they, they don't have everything aholics. So I just 
I just go to AA because I like it all. Yeah, I want right, right, right. you, Jeremy, to get high on wallpaper. I'll be like, done. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and I'll get hooked on it, too. Yeah. And that's that's how I roll. You know, I uh, again, I going to meetings in L.A., um, I heard a lot of people say, oh, well, I just drank wine every day in Beverly Hills, and then I got help. That is not my story. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted the wheels to fall off. You know, I liked doing everything until the wheels fell off. Yeah, I mean, is there, and there's an, I mean, there's a, always an element, I think, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like there's always a, that element of self-destruction, right? Because we're trying to not, be ourselves because fundamentally there's something we're unhappy with about ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? And so that's why we're, it's basically, it's self-destruction, right? Right. Okay. And I think in the 90s, you know, we had people like Kurt Cobain and a bunch of other creative people who lost their lives because of mental illness and drugs right. and alcohol. Um, but in my mind, I always thought, oh, they're different than me. What a mess that guy was, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and even with some of my relationships, I hung out with people who I thought were worse off than me. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize until later, I was drinking every night with those people, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, it wasn't like they were just drinking around me and I was sitting having a Diet Coke. Yeah, I always felt better about myself because my tolerance was so much higher that everybody else was always a sloppier drunk or drug druggy than yeah, I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. You, know, you surround always, yourself with amateurs. Right. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> we kind of take on the shape of our container. Anywhere we go, we find people who yeah. you know, who are just a little bit worse off than we are. Yeah. Right. And it can like deflect attention to, you know, mm-hmm. I uh I was really deep in delusion for a long time. And so the whatever I could do to put it on you and not on me. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents well, let me preface this. My dad's been sober for over 30 years. Oh. And uh, I was told at 11 years old, listen, chances are really good that you might get this. So just so you know. And I remember at the time and years later, I thought, eh, that's not me. That I'm not a cop. I don't drink beer and pass out. Mm. Mine's different, you know, and I can handle it. And I went to great lengths to lie about it, too. Because when you have family in recovery, and my sister's sober now for 11 years, um, they sniff you out big time. Oh, God, yes. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. It sucks. So uh, they'd call me and I'd be like, I'm great. See you later. Click. You know? <laughs> because any deeper than a superficial level, I was terrified that they'd be like, holy fuck, what are you doing? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, when you were in Los Angeles, were yeah. you writing out there? Were you working as a writer? or uh, What were you doing in the film business? I mean, were you making a living doing this? No, I uh, I was drinking and working as a waiter. Okay. Yes. Yeah, which is what you do, right? Which is what you do. Yeah. Well, and you know, I really was convinced that somebody from like Paramount or something would come to my apartment and be like... Mr. Yeah. Mahoney, you know, yeah, yeah. give me a big check. We need you. Telegram. <laughs> you, we want you. Yeah. yeah. And, so you, uh, you had these dreams of being a writer. That's why you went there. Right. Ultimately, the drinking and waiting tables, which is, yeah, just didn't, right? Did it suck your ambition or what? It did. Yeah. It did. And, you know, 
I've heard you guys share on this show before about it, and it's it's such a similar experience that as it progresses, yeah. it's like an animal that you have to take care of all the time, and you really can't do anything else. And I was talking to my younger brother not that long ago, and he was like, I always felt bad because you made so many excuses about why you couldn't write. Mm-hmm. And I said, what you have to understand is... I physically couldn't do it. Between managing my hangovers and drinking, uh, that's a full day. I don't think people who aren't alcoholics realize that. That's like a part-time job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a vocation for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, not like the Peace Corps, but yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it. uh, and I had found, like I said earlier, I found my people – and it went from, you know, partying at clubs in the 90s with such pillars of sobriety as uh, George Michael and Courtney Love mm. to uh, dive bars mm. to drinking at home seven nights a week. Wow. wow. And that's the way it went. You know, the glamour and being glamour adjacent. Glamour adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag glamour adjacent. Um, but I... I, uh, it doesn't last long out there. No. You know, there's actually people working and trying to make it as creative people. Yeah. So if you're there just to party, it's going to burn out really fast. However, you can do it forever. Yeah. You know, there's people who I used to bartend with who are doing the same darn thing even now. And I'm like, how are you not dead? Yeah. But everybody's different, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So that's crazy. So then, what? So then, you're out there. Something happens. Right. Uh, do you have a yeah? What's the crash? Um, what's yeah the crash story? <laughs> so, uh, God, and it was with looking back. It's always like a long crash story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, time. Yeah, I like how that is. But uh, so I um, decided on my own, and I had done this a lot. The uh, Sean Mahoney patented recovery programs that I would come up with on my own, which would be like, maybe I can just snort Benadryl to help me go to sleep and drink non-alcoholic beer. Wait, snort Benadryl? Yes, Chris. Benadryl. <laughs> That's a new one. I, I had a, a huge uh, something cocaine I don't problem know. and what? I figured out that if I wanted to go to sleep after a night, yeah, yeah, you can snort Benadryl. Does that make you uh, tired? I, it does. <laughs> It does, like right away. Here's the thing. You know, like you take a Benadryl with a glass of wine, it's like faster. Yeah. Benadryl is is magic in that regard. And I think it's like drug addict, like vitamins. And every. I I don't know. I I just, I seem, I I got to a point of a line of demarcation in my addiction where I tried to snort everything. It's like, you know (laughs) what? This is good. This is fine. Benadryl's good. However,. Right. right. If I could snort it, maybe that would yeah, maybe that would be better. Well, and for me, it's like, how do we make this work faster? Yeah. And I, you know, and I always, That's when somebody turned me on to snorting Vicodin, I was like, bring it on. You know, especially when you're using cocaine and drinking, mm. there is that part in the evening where you're like, oh my God, I have to work tomorrow. How do I go to sleep? Mm-hmm. So it's the whole cycle. Um, so anyway, uh, in, 2008, I'd come up with another stupid idea of how to quit drinking on my own. And um, I I didn't smoke weed, which I'd done before. 
but uh, I wasn't doing anything about it. I just thought I'm great. It's a New Year's revolution uh, resolution, and I'm just gonna quit. And of course, people in my family, knowing what they know, the bastards, they said, you know, maybe you need to like go somewhere and get help for it. I was like, no, nah, I'm fine. Um, but so five months into this experiment, uh, I was getting kicked out of my apartment and I reached for a bottle of wine and I texted my best friend and I said, I'm just going to have a little wine and I'll never forget what she texted back. She said, okay, well, just be careful. Uh, what transpired over the next five months was an absolute freaking nightmare. Uh, cocaine back on, um, drinking every day on, fighting with my ex every day back on. Um, and we got kicked out of another apartment mm. during that time frame. And uh, so my idea, again, we're back at New Year's Day. And uh, my idea was, um, okay, this time it'll work. And there was something in my brain that said, ask for help. Uh, my younger brother was in town. My older brother lives in LA. And so my plan was <laughs> to do it on January 1st. And uh, there was mimosas and blow that needed to be had. So <laughs> that's why my sobriety date is January 2nd. Um, <laughs> so you should write. That's awesome. Yeah. Was, yeah. You, you, yeah. You're right, man. Yeah, and it's funny. <laughs> it's fun. Thank you. I um, it's funny because I called my sister, who at that point had five years, yeah. and I said, and her her belly button birthday, as they say, that's mm. a weird saying, yeah. but her birthday birthday is on the second. Mm. So I called her at work <laughs> I said, hi, happy birthday. I need help. And that's when things started to change. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of what the bottom okay. looked oh. like. Yeah. And then you Darn, like, she, did she grab you and take you to a meeting or what, what happened? Well, she was on the phone and she was living here at the time. So she just said, listen, just for today, don't drink. And then we'll, I'll help you figure this out. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So what needed to happen first and foremost was I, uh, was in a relationship with somebody I drink with every day. <laughs> I worked at a restaurant where we drank all the time. Yeah. Uh, everywhere in the neighborhood where I lived, I live over in Silver Lake. I drank all over that place. Yeah. Um, people told me you got to dump all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, I shared it like with barely any sobriety. And uh, some old gay man was like, well, so much for no big changes in the first year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, dude, I'm doing what I can. Yeah. And I, I did have an urgency that I had to save my life. And whatever that looked like. Yeah. And that was the first time ever, you know, like I shared it. I'm so delusional that I always think, no, it's fine. But for some reason... Something kicked in that was like, this is bad. And so I moved over near the beach, uh, near the marina in Los Angeles. 
And I started going to meetings all the time. Mm. LA is a fabulous freaking place to get sober because there are thousands and thousands of meetings yeah. every week. Um, and I needed to reprogram myself. And I didn't have any friends anymore. So I just like sat in meetings and drank coffee and cried yeah. mm-hmm. for like the first five months. That's cool. So you yeah. kind of did a geographic, went over yeah. the west side. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Got all new everything. Right. <clears throat> went to awesome meetings over there. That's good. That is a good place to go. Have you, oh I my assume God. you went to the beach on, or the Venice Beach meeting on Saturdays uh-huh. or whatever that was? Indeed. And the musicians meeting in Venice and. Uh, you know, I lived around the corner from the Marina Center, which uh, <laughs> is such a great um, AA hall. Uh, it had everything from Academy Award winners to fistfights. So <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. You know, it was like real sobriety in your face. And it was really tough. In fact, a good friend of mine gave me a service position there just so she didn't have to be alone um, oh. at an 11 o'clock meeting. She's like, uh, you're now writing down people's names who pick up chips. <laughs> That's your job. <laughs> and you're doing it for six months. Um, yeah, so but the thing about it was is that me being sort of the addicted to fantasy and delusion, mm. I really honestly thought, you guys, that like if I stop drinking, it'll be like – Winning the price is right, yeah. you know, like a new car, you know, like I thought all that stuff was going to happen. And my life got categorically more fucked up than it was before. Hmm. And I was like, uh, oh, my God, this is what I got sober for. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So part of my story is and, um, and I feel like it's something that I shared. I've shared it on my blog and, um, and I've talked about it before, but I feel like it's important is that at seven months I was talking to my best friend in the program and I said, something's not right with me. Physically, there's something freaking going on. He said, go to the doctor, which we, you know, we don't do as addicts. We're like, yeah, like our teeth fall out. We're like, oh, that's okay. I have more. <laughs> they might go, grow back, right? Um, but so I went to the doctor and um, they did a full screen. I uh, I found out a few days later that I, I am HIV positive. And wow. I knew intellectually that it's not the 80s. And we're not, like, dying in a TV movie like we used to. Um, But what happened was it really made me want to drink. Yeah. These drugs. Because, you know, we have have those things that it's like, this is our caveat. If this happens to me, I'm freaking drinking. And that was always mine. Like, I'm getting loaded. I don't give a fuck. But um, for some reason, uh, I didn't. And I don't know why, because that's my response to everything is to get loaded. And although that was a tough period, the miracle of it was, and that word gets so overused and I apologize, but um, (laughs) the miracle of it was I uh, was able to weather something that I never thought I'd be able to weather and do it sober. Mm -hmm. 
that was like mind blowing to me. That's exactly it, though. I mean, that that's the core of it, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right, absolutely, absolutely. To to and that was the thing about meetings in LA. I would sit there and I would listen to people with cancer, people going through divorces. I heard a lady who got shot who was sharing and and all of these things were happening and people stayed sober. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever anybody's opinion is on specific recovery things, that human interaction with each other just to share our stories and to be able to say, you can get through this. Mm-hmm. It's life-saving, mm-hmm. you know? It's absolutely life-saving. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's it's funny. I think we all we all have that sort of bucket list of caveats in our head. <laughs> right. You know, of, okay, well, yeah, if I lose a parent or if I... Mm. But yet, when it all... I don't know. Just there's, some, there's something magic about weathering things with a clear head and knowing that the emotions you're feeling are genuine that's it and and oh my god i didn't i didn't know what anything felt like Mm -hmm. you know and when you yeah just i i can't imagine how you felt but the fact that you made it through it and you can look at it in the rearview mirror and say yeah i did that what can i do now you know weird yeah it and it's and i think that is the most amazing thing about sobriety and worth everything that we go through is um we get to surprise ourselves. Mm-hmm. We get to react to things and or not react as the case may be with me. You know, I, I love fighting with people. <laughs> <laughs> I love being right. right. I love like get my finger up in your face. Yeah. But you know, now I don't, it's old mm-hmm. stuff and mm-hmm. I can just go, okay, you know, and that's weird because that's not me. You know, I'm, I'm a, um, house of four very opinionated, tough Irish Swedish kids, and we were always battling to see who was more dominant. Mm-hmm. And as a sober person now, to lose, to compromise, to say, you know what, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a miracle for me. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, I love that post, you know, when you took the time off Facebook and were trying to de-dramatize your life a little bit or whatever, just trying to, and it's, it is funny, like things, you do want things to calm down. I don't, you know, we, all of us were excitement junkies. I was, and it was up and down and that's all I knew. And then you get into this thing or just, I don't know, you get older, you just mature and all of a sudden you're, you're start to appreciate less drama, right? right. You just start to, right. and it sounds like you, you've been someone who caters to that or cultivates that or <laughs> all that stuff, right? Yeah. Well, and being a theater artist, um, there is a good place for it. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. a storyteller, there's a good place for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to, I was one of those kids and adults too, that just lied constantly. Mm-hmm. Lied, 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 lied from forging report cards to lying about um, paying my bills to whatever. Um, I lied all the time. And it's an ironic thing that now, as a storyteller, when my work tells the truth, it's the best that it is. Right. And it's a skill I never had. Yeah. It's so amazing to me how the lying comes up with so many, if not all of our stories. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I don't think I would have even noticed it. <laughs> like until really until I started doing you know this this podcast and talking to so many more people, but you know it's all of us talk about how much lying we did, and I'm like, yeah. Jesus, you know all this lying, and then like I'm wondering like, dude, normies like do that much lying <laughs> as we all do, yeah. Like, or, or well, they don't yeah. have to like to stay alive. They don't have to tell people, oh, I yeah, lie yeah. all the time, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, and lying, like living that life, is every bit as much a job as being it's an exhausting. active addict or alcoholic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if that's a part time, this is full time yeah. because keeping right. your shit straight and all your stories coordinated mm-hmm. and all those plates spinning is. It is exhausting. Mm. Well, and I mean, my simple one that was daily is like when somebody would ask me, are you drunk? I'd be like, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did that forever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> are you yeah. fine, Matt? No, I have hay fever. Like, yeah. <laughs> forever. You know, like what? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it's, I was thinking about um, Labor Day this weekend and uh, my best friend lived across the street for me and he would always have a barbecue and towards the end that summer that I bought it out I um I showed up at the barbecue and I was already loaded because you know you gotta drink before mm-hmm. you leave the house mm-hmm. um cause what if they don't have enough booze there mm-hmm. and uh I got really wasted really fast like kind of textbook about the progression of how like your body like can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I it fell down his stairs. <laughs> and it was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The next day, we talked on the phone and he said, Wow, I don't know what's up with you. You now get drunk so fast. And knowing now, I was reflecting on this at uh, Labor Day this year, knowing now that like it was... A disease that was progressing. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure in my brain, I didn't want to be the guy who fell down the stairs at the barbecue at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't know how. I didn't know how to not be that guy. Mm. Yeah. So uh, it, it's it's incredible that once we get sober and we can see those things and remember those things. Did that happen? Well, you guys have been sober for a long time. Has that happened for you remembering old stories that were like buried in the annals of your drunkenness? Well, it's interesting. When you tell the story about falling down, the one I just remembered was, I, I don't remember anything falling down like later in my in my um, <laughs> addiction, but very early on, very early on when I was sort of taking off and I was just getting into this. Like, I think it was the summer before I went to college when my when I really just sort of, it took hold. But... I was at a, a friend's house having like my first real like I don't know what like adult esque kind of party I thought because I'm going away to college, and I got so drunk so fast and I was the drunkest one there I think by far. I'm lying on the grass in the backyard with everybody around me. I, I felt like, and I'm I'm vomiting. And I'm, <laughs> and in my head, I just remember thinking of like Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison, like at the time, two heroes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like right. going, "Don't let me die! Don't <laughs> let me die! Turn me over, please!" And I'm like, "But they that, do." They, they, that just came back to me though, like this week. They they show up. It'll be a scent or uh, some landmark yeah. or some object, and it'll trigger something. And yeah, falling down that was my jam. Mm. 
that was you know and 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 loved to do it in blackout so there were a lot of like hey are you okay and well, and then like, there's uh, great- what do you mean? Am I okay? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I <laughs> fell last night. Of course. I fell last night. Well, I always had the mystery bruise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, where did this come from? Did somebody give this to me? Did I fall down? Right. And I had mystery bruise for like four years. Like, it was like on my leg, on my arm. Yeah. It, uh, just, it's, it, I, I don't know. I have to laugh, you know? It, it's hilarious. I mean, and that, like, and that's what I like about your show is you guys do have some humor and lightness. And I think, you know, that was really important for me in my early recovery mm-hmm. is to sit in a room and laugh. I have to tell this story cause I've never told it before, but um, I went to a meeting at the Marina center and I was sitting there and it was a Sunday night and I just really wanted to die to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, um, this woman shares her story and she's hilarious and she shares this ridiculous story. And I'm not going to go into the details about her living in someone's garage in the Valley who she didn't know, uh, like, <laughs> like crashing in somebody's garage and smoking crack and getting a dog to lick peanut butter off. Of her. And the whole, <laughs> right. We've all been there, brother. <laughs> Come on. Hey, times are tough. Um, but <laughs> the whole place is dying, like laughing hysterically. Yeah. And what happened for me is whatever I was thinking about, my feelings yeah. of feeling so dark were lifted and gone. Mm-hmm. And in Southern California, you know, you have to stand in line and thank the speaker. And um, so... I said, thank you. And she said, listen, I don't know your story, but give yourself an F and break. Mm. And that saved my life. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of in that moment that I thought, well, wait, this use of humor, my love of humor, um, my love to laugh, maybe it saves people's lives, mm-hmm. you know? Uh yeah, and then shortly after that, my sponsor said, I'm speaking at a meeting in West Hollywood, and it's got about 500 people, and you're opening for me, by the way. <laughs> like, crap. <laughs> crap, crap, crap. Um, yeah, they have huge meetings, especially on Sunday mornings. And I said, okay, because that's another thing we did in Southern California. You, didn't, you, know, you never said no. Never said no. And uh, I said, okay. Yeah, you never said no for an AA request. That's what they told me. Yep. So I ended up doing all kinds of volunteering stuff that made me nuts, but it kept me sober. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Um, so I, it's 7.30 in the morning. I'm talking to this large group of people. I don't even know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I pause, and they're laughing. And with me, and identifying with what I'm saying. And it sort of like began the roots of like what I do as an artist now. That's cool. Yeah, that's amazing. That is cool. I love that. Um, yeah. So, just a couple of things. It was interesting. So you talked a lot about depression. How's that going? Yeah. How's you that know, it's, well, I mean, you know, um, yeah, totally. And I'm uh, I'm an open book, and I. 
put lights around it and glitter because uh, it just makes it easier to talk about. I agree. I'm with you. I think it's good. And, you know, I, I think everyone has yeah. lots of, you know, deals with all kinds of things like that. And, and I think you talking about it was really enlightening just sort of telling your story about that. Well, and it's interesting because, and I feel like this is the problem with addiction and mental illness, is that particularly, you know, among Caucasians, mm-hmm. we don't talk about this stuff. Even after all of this time and all of these people who are dead, we don't feel okay having an open dialogue about it. I, um, so... When I was going to my early HIV doctors, they said, listen, uh, not for nothing, but we feel like mentally there's stuff going on with you. Um, So they recommended I go to a psychiatrist. Mm. So, you know, psychiatrists are special. And he had me basically like fill out Mad Libs about my mental health. And, And then was like, he said the best line of my recovery so far. He said, despite your best efforts, you're still pretty miserable. <laughs> Thanks, doctor. I was like, wow, you're awesome. Great, great uh, bedside manner or whatever the hell they call it. Um, but, he, you know, and what was I supposed to do in that moment? I was seven months sober, just ended a relationship, and found out it was HIV positive. He wanted me to, like, tap dance in there. (laughs) I'm like, give me a break here. You know, um, so I did not go on medication at that time. Uh, And I, but with my sponsor at the time, who was a nurse, he said, just remain open Mm -hmm. to what comes up and remain honest about it. I have, I don't know if either any of you guys suffer from it, but it is, it is a long road, right? Like, like recovery. Like sometimes it's a walk in the park and sometimes it's like, Oh, you're here again. Damn it. And, um, I'm currently in a really good place with it. I have to, since I'm not on medication now, Mm. I have to take care of myself in a way that a lot of people don't. I walk a couple of miles a day, writing, I mean, all of that stuff. And when one piece of that falls apart, it can get dark, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not against medication, per se. I have enjoyed the last almost seven years of being very clear-headed. And I know that antidepressants don't do that. Um, Like, I I just, for for today, I'm good. You know, it feels like with the help of other people and staying accountable. Yeah. You know, my problem always was when I was drinking, if I acted like I was fine, it was really screwed up. Yeah. Well, and it just the, the sort of my, you know, addendum to that is I would just encourage people to like your sponsor said to remain open only because I was adamantly anti medication um, because I had spent, you know, exerted so much energy, effort, and and was so you know proud of that I had removed all these chemicals from my body. Um, that you know, when I I hit a uh, a really bad depression like ten years in to sobriety, and um, was just adamant that I wasn't going to take anything for it, and I you know I didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. but I wasn't going to take any medication. 
Right. And to the point where I had it prescribed, I even filled it, but I wasn't going to take it just because, you know, I think therapists and, and doctors were saying, just get it. And uh, finally, I, and I've told this story before, um, I have a neurologist and he, he said, uh, he said, just take it. He goes, what will it matter in 10,000 years anyway? Which the, the, the so the undoctor like the unprofessional unneurologist like nature of that thing just sort of shook me and i'm like wow you know why not you know right and um and i credit it with uh, i hate putting that point on it but it's saving my life um right and i was so afraid it was going to turn me into not me because that's my experience with drugs is they make you not you mm-hmm. um, well and we've time tested that you right. know checked out with them so many times mm. that I think the natural thought is like, oh, I can't do that because it'll right. like make me not with it. Right. It'll alter my consciousness but somehow. Exactly. And, and, you know, I guess, you know, I can, maybe a fortune I found the right one the first time, but, um, you know, I feel like exactly me, but okay for the most part. You know, I, I see it coming, like you said, You can I can see it coming now, um, but yeah. as opposed to a, a sinkhole, now it's sort of like a paved pothole, and I feel it, but I can I sort of drive right over it. You know, it's like, boom, boom, there was some depression. And, right. Uh, you know, um, but instead of sinking into this sinkhole that I have to figure out how to climb out of. Um, so anyway, that's that's my story. And about, well, do you, do you I think your medication. <laughs> this is the real question. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> I rub it on my gums, actually. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, um, well, I gotta say, um, this has been awesome. It's been terrific having you on. I, oh, I'm good. Really looking forward to um, your heart is a radio monologue yes. mixtape this yeah. fall. Yeah, the thought came from, you know, uh, music has saved my life, again, with that saying, but, um, you know, lifted me out of places. So I was thinking, well, what if I did monologues about songs and then sort of mix them as a mixtape? That's so awesome. And uh, it's been scary because it's been really personal and you wouldn't think if you're just writing about music that it would, but it's opened up all kinds of stuff. And it feels like this draft is like pretty uh, no holds barred. And that's what I want to do as an artist. And then, okay, well, yeah, I mean, definitely keep, keep us in the loop on that. That's just really cool. I mean, the project sounds just terrific. Great fucking title too. That title. Oh, thanks so much. Oh, good. (laughs) Thanks so much. Yeah. I, I leaned on a friend who's a playwright and uh, he said, oh, yeah, this is what it's got to be. I oh, said, what do you think nice. about this? He said, yeah, so thank you for that. So good. And then Sparkleholic. Yes. <laughs> is writing. So it's a, it'll be a, a book. Right. Okay. So what happened when I first started doing You're the Inspiration as a blog? I had moved here because um, I met my husband. And what happened was, you know, I... I love recovery memoirs, Mm -hmm. but so many times it's like, well, what next? Like, how do you live your life after Mm -hmm. you've been delusional for so long? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Kristen Johnson's, uh, guts was Mm -hmm. big for me. Uh, 90 days was big for me. I love those books, but I wanted something else. I want to know what comes after, like you get sober. And what comes next for me? Mm -hmm. And so that blog started that way. And 
I love this about recovery online and about what you guys do and blogging and all of that stuff. Um, the oddest people respond to your story mm-hmm. and say, Hey, me too. And, uh, so Sparkleholic is a collection of works based on that blog, but it's now turned into more original works. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm keeping my options open. I, I'm working on it as something I can self-publish, and then I'm also getting a package together for publishers too. Cool. So, yeah. All right. Well, definitely. You know, we'll we'll stay in touch on both of those. I want to. Absolutely. Um. All right. Is there anything? No. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. what you're working on. You just told us. So that's yeah, awesome. Right. Yeah. It sounds exciting. And the, yeah, the the Thanks. you are the inspiration is fantastic. You're a terrific writer. So yeah, keep up. It seems like you got a really interesting way into all this stuff. So. I loved all the stuff about the music, even just the writing that you did online with it. It was fantastic. Thanks so much. Yeah, I think like our recovery doesn't exist without film and music. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, God, those things, they can be really instrumental. And I think a lot of times have helped me not pick up a drink. If I, mm-hmm. yeah. In the early days, I was I would sit and watch Turner Classic Movies mm-hmm. and not want to die like that <laughs> that's pretty awesome yeah yeah it's so funny the the media that gets you through hard times whatever that is movies you know mm-hmm. just i can remember times in my life where things had gotten me through it just by taking me out of this whatever funk i was in yeah right. yeah anything yeah last some books you know and i think music. 130 books yeah. last summer because i because you wow. just couldn't do anything else couldn't do anything else yeah well and i think that's a common experience of adult children too yeah. like we sometimes we had to go read a book so to get away from the firing squad, yeah. you know. That's a good point. Yeah, and yeah, I think so. I mean, we lived up the street from a movie theater, and sometimes when a fist fight was happening, it's like, oh hey, let's ride our bikes to the movie theater, you know. So <laughs> there is stuff that you know, as creative people, that we put out, we have no idea, yeah. you know, and I love that. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks Thanks, for. Thanks so much. What a pleasure. Thanks so much. It was awesome, you guys. And I'm sorry I won't be in DC because I'll be in rehearsals, but it looks amazing. It looks amazing. Well, and we'll see you in the funny pages. You're gonna miss the rave. We're gonna rave. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna rave. So rave. rave. That that doesn't sound lame at all. Yeah. (laughs) We're gonna diaper. (laughs) (laughs) I want lots of pictures. Thanks, God. Bye. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Yes! Oh, I like it. has been another clean and sober intervention.